0: how could you get there? Well, it's rocket fuel. You got to take all the stuff that the gravity that holds you down and convert it. And I just started thinking from that point and just going, referring back to my life, like what was that in my life that was causing me to keep going? Like, why was I keep going? Like most people would stop with some of the stuff I went through, suicide, abuse, parents splitting up. I mean, so many, I I lost millions, you know, like, but I just keep going, dude. (laughs) So that's where it came from. And then I just felt like I had to bottle it and put it in a book and get it out to people, man, and, and, I, and I'm just, I, I want this thing to get into people's hands.
1: I'll never forget that day when I asked myself the question, is this it? Is this all there is to strive for in life? That day, I set out on a journey to find more. Now, I am sitting down with the most fulfilled to teach us the tools and tips they use to get there, so we can do it faster. Think different, earn different, live fulfilled. This is Contrarian Cash Flow. Welcome in Contrarian Cash Flow. Today, I've got C-Rock, Mike Sirocco with me. Mike, what is going on? What's up, John? How you doing, man? Hey,
0: I got to start off the show with gratitude. I love to start every show with gratitude that I go on because it's so important for people to really understand how grateful I am to have the opportunity and humbled I am that people actually want to interview me and hear my voice. It's, it's an honor. So thank you.
1: Yeah, man. Well, it goes both ways. I really appreciate you taking the time to get in here. I'm I'm excited to get into Rocket Fuel and then see what we can help share with the audience and and take them into outer space. So uh, for those folks that don't know, C-Rock, so he is a business owner and author. Well, we're going to be getting into that. uh, Loving father and husband, host of the What Are You Made Of podcast, and of course, the leader of the Rocket Fuel movement. So C-Rock, what do you got going on right now?
0: Man, there's so much. You know, I'm like Babe Ruth. I I take tons of swings. I strike out a lot and I hit a lot of home runs. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that's what I try to do. I know i try to limit my strikeouts, but I, I'm just a big action taker, man. And, and I just, I can't sit still. So I'm into tech. I'm into writing books. I'm into podcasting, hanging out, meeting great people. And of course I have a large mortgage division too. I don't know if you knew that or not, but, uh, I had that as well with three of my best friends and my little brother who are the leadership team that run the day-to-day of that operation.
1: So just a few things, a few yeah. things to keep you busy. Yeah.
0: I'm sure I forgot some things. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll normally we jump into your journey, but there's a, there's a couple of things you've touched on before in, in previous interviews that you've talked about that I think is really inspirational. And especially for this particular audience, folks that are in that you know middle middle of their career and kind of looking, hey, is there something more that I can do outside of just you know having a good high paying salary job and kind of what else can I do to maybe go down the entrepreneurial path? So it's something that I've struggled with myself and getting more and more comfortable with, but being known, being more active in social media, cr- creating content, be it video, podcasting, quotes, things of that sort. So can you just touch upon just your perspective and you know, what you really need to do from an entrepreneurial perspective to start building success in, in this current environment?
0: Yeah, you know, I'll tell you, basically, I was in a situation where I felt like I was a prisoner in the mortgage industry, kind of relying on the rates, kind of relying on the economy, kind of relying on people to call us or the owner of the company that I was working for, relying on him to buy leads or get leads. And I just felt like a puppet, man. I felt like I was in a cage with someone else had the key and I couldn't go anywhere. And I didn't like that feeling anymore. So I said, enough's enough. You know, I I found mentors by, first of all, from afar, looking at people that are doing what I wanted to do and started paying attention to it and asking questions. And, you know, then I just figured, you know what? I'm not getting known. I'm not getting known enough. So then I started with my local market. I'm like, well, I got to get known locally. So I'd go out to networking events and this and that. I'm like, that's not, that's not doing it. It's not big enough. Then I started looking at my region, my, my, my state, I'm sorry, my County, my state, then my region. And I'm like, ah, it's not big enough. And then I said, oh, now how about the country? I got to get known all over the country, man. I got I to be known for doing something. And then the local market will take care of itself. And then from there, I'm like, you know what? Might as well just go globally. Or if there's aliens, let's find out if the aliens can find out who I am. And I started thinking this way. Now, I'm not saying there's aliens, of course, because <laughs> people start getting crazy when you start talking about aliens. But and I'm not saying that I could even reach them. But I started thinking about that. And when your mind starts to think, your mind's a powerful thing and you start to bring reality into the world and you start to bring concepts in wait a minute, well, what if I could or how could I do that? And so that's what happened. And I started thinking to myself, all right, I got to get known globally. And I started waking up every morning, like, how could I get known into a point where people, I'm a household name. Now, I will tell you, I don't have it right here. I do it right here. I have this book right here and I write my goals down because my mentor told me to. Grant Cardone is my mentor, one of my mentors. And I'm sure people have heard about writing their goals down and how powerful it is, but he writes them down in the morning and in the evening. I wrote down all the time. I, C-Rock is a household name globally. C-Rock is not, is going to be anything. I just started writing it down. So then I started having to live by that because I'm not going to write something down that I don't believe in. I'm not committed to. And that's basically how it all started. So first of all, you have to have that foundation, all the strategy in the world, social media, posts, repurposing, LinkedIn, Facebook, all none of that matters unless you're committed, you have to be clear on what you want. And then you have to be committed, like, like burn the ships, they say, right? And then from there comes consistency. All right. Because none of that, none of that other stuff matters. If you're not going to get those three C's, I just talked about clarity, commitment, and consistency. Once you have those three things, then you could start looking at strategies. And because you're going to run into strategies that work, you're going to run into some that work. Okay. And some where they're going to not work at all. And when they don't work at all, it's frustrating, and you got to know that you're committed and you're clear on what you want to do, and you're going to be consistent no matter what, to get through those adversities. And so
1: that's why I always start with the foundation. So that give you a little bit of that. I mean, you can ask some more ask some questions. That makes sense? Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think, you know, I mean, like you talked about the three C's. I mean, I think the clarity is something a lot of people struggle with, right. Because they're trying to say, you know, I want to, I want my net to be as wide as possible. I want to bring in as many potential prospects to this, but then also the commitment, commitment. Cause I know even myself, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but you know, you have a thought and you're like, this is going to be a great post or this is going to be a great piece of content, you know, and then it's a dud, right. Or then you just put something off the cuff and people are like, oh my gosh, this is so inspirational. And you're just like, well, that was just me. You know, (laughs) I just woke up and it was like, this is kind of interesting. Let me just throw it out there. Um, so I think the point that you made about the being known though, why? so, so why is, for, I guess from my perspective, being known is important because it, your, your product is kind of irrelevant in regards to how much it can help people or what it can do to the broader audience if they're not aware of what it is. And I think that's kind of where people don't understand is they say, hey, I've created this widget or this program or this process that is transcendent, right? It's going to change the way business is done or, or change people's lives. But the problem is, if not enough people know about it, how can you really get out there and help people? And so I think that's kind yeah. of why people struggle. So, so why do you think being known is so important?
0: Well, it's not just being known, it's being remembered too, right? So somebody can know you and then they can forget about you. So two biggest problems businesses and salespeople have is nobody knows who they are. And then the second one is people forgot about you. They knew you and they forgot about you. So if that's the two biggest problems, I should spend 95% of my time on what? One and two getting people to know me and get them to remember me. And that's all I wanted to focus on. And so that made sense when Grant kept preaching that to us, that started to make sense. And I'm like, Shh, I don't understand why I didn't get this before. Like I, I didn't understand it before. It's like, it's like people, you know, my uh, managers in the past when I was working for someone used to say, you know, make phone calls. It's a numbers game. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It's that. But I didn't really think about the fact that it's at, at attention, attention, attention. You got to be in And then, because I think when I started to grow up and become an adult, I've started to realize, and by the way, when I was younger, I wasn't as busy. I was more chasing girls, partying, and where's the next party at, you know? And I didn't realize that there was things coming at people from all angles as you grow up to be an adult, when you have a family and kids and this and that, that you have to stand out. You have to get it. So maybe I didn't understand that when I was younger. And as I've grown to be in a family, being a father, husband, business owner, understanding now, okay, somebody wants to get my attention. They got to yell and scream and shout. Maybe that didn't register before, but now it does. But um, yeah, nothing matters if nobody knows you. If if nobody sees you, nobody hears you, nobody smells you, (laughs) it doesn't matter. And so that's what I started to focus on. I I brought that to my team. Our mortgage business started to blow up. And uh, when our graph of production starts to go down, what do we go to? Guys, we need to promote. We're not promoting enough. We're we're not getting out enough. That's the answer. There's no other answer. business starts dying, the economy, see in the mortgage business, we rely on rates for refinances and and rates affect some volume. However, right now rates went up a little bit. The volume starts to go down. We notice it because we see the graphs. We watch the beginning of the sales cycle and we say, wait a minute, something's not right here. And alert goes off in my head, (laughs) which gives me some anxiety to take action. And immediately I go to my team and say, guys, rates are going up. Are you going to be a prisoner to the rates going up? And then the business is going down and you're just going to say, well, I'm not successful because of the rates or I'm not successful because of COVID. Or are you going to say rates are going up, everybody else is going to suffer and be a victim to this. I'm going to take advantage because while they're being victims, I'm going to raise my level of action, my attitude and promote like a maniac, and I'm going to benefit from this situation. And so that's a little bit of it in a (laughs) nutshell.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a consistent theme just from what you talked about before is kind of being in, you know, a prisoner. You talked about, you know, potentially working for the employer before, and then now, you know, victim of circumstance, right? Oh no, you know, COVID or the rates moved or whatever the case is. Right. And really taking that level of accountability and saying, Hey, I'm actually the one that's in control of, of what's going to happen. And you're taking that action to move the ball forward. Not every action is going to lead to success, but getting better and, and pushing yourself every day. So let's, let's jump into the journey a little bit. Cause I think that was a great precursor But So I know you have, you know, a little bit of a rougher upbringing, but how'd you get from, you know, early on and then to now today, C-Rock and the business and and all these different entities that you're working through? So I,
0: you know, I came from a broken home. I don't remember my parents ever together. And I just was around a lot of broken people, man. A lot of drug addiction, alcoholics, mental problems, just people that just, uh, man, so such small-minded thinking and... I for From the time, I guess, so my parents were split up, then you added step-parents in the mix and it just gets more convoluted and complicated, right? So from eight to 11, I lived with my dad. My mom was on to her third marriage and I didn't want to necessarily move into another man's house. And so I decided to try my dad's house, who he was on to his second wife, after one, first after my mom, my stepmother. And I'm like, well, let me try this. So I ended up moving in there for three years. During that time, I went through a lot of conflict, a lot of abuse because a lot of the, the conflict with the adults was taken out on me. I used to sleep in my uh, bed from about nine to eleven with a baseball bat because I was scared, and no kid should ever have to live like that. But at the time, I stayed in that mix for a while, and I would go to my mom's house every other weekend and feel like really sick when I'd have to come home anxious. Like st- I think that still bothers me to this day. Honestly, it, it rises up when something goes on, and I, I I can recognize it. And so my mom said, "What's the matter with you?" One day, and I'm like. I just don't really feel like going back here. And she asked me why. And I finally told her everything that was going on. And when you're in an abusive situation, a lot of times you don't want to share it with people because you don't know if they'll believe you. And you also don't know what the person that's doing it's going to do, you know, when it comes to air. So she said, you don't have to live like that. That's ridiculous. I'm going to get you out of there. I'm going to file court papers. You have to stick to your guns, though. Like you can't flip flop. You can't decide to change your mind if they get served papers and, you know, you you, you get talked because they're going to talk you out of it. So I got that in my mind about, okay, well, I got to stick to my guns. I got to be stubborn. She wants me to be stubborn, right? If I believe in something because people will try to talk it out, talk you out of your beliefs. And so my dad finally got served after waiting, waiting, waiting. I came home from school one day, got served with papers. He had the court papers in his hand. And I said, uh, I was thinking in my mind, like, here we go. So mind you, I was 11 years old. He said, go to your room. I sat in my room. Now, my dad was my hero. He had big forearms and rough hands. He was amazing like these bricks back here. He used to lay brick and block and concrete and hard worker. I always looked up to him for it. And uh, he always had a wad of $100 bills in his pocket with a rubber band around it. I thought that was the coolest thing, man. He used to show me what the money got us. And and I was like, man, I'm going to have that one day, you know? So he came back with those court papers and said, hey, it says here you want to move back with your mom. Is that true? And I said, yeah. And he started trying to get into a discussion about it with me. You know, your mom doesn't have it that well. They're poor. She's on another marriage. You know, they don't have any money. And by the way, they were poor. Like they had like a $30,000 house. We used to go to vacation on to like the Jersey shore and we'd have black trash bags as our suitcases and a little tiny motel room with six of us sleeping on the floors. Just, but, that, but at least we had a vaca- vacation, but they didn't have it well. And my dad was pretty well off. So he reminded me of that. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to discuss this. And he said, Okay. So he takes that wad of $100 bills out, peeled one off, crumpled it up and threw it at me and said, you're going to need this then when you're living on the streets with your mother one day. And sitting there as an 11-year-old hearing that after all that I'd been through, I thought at that moment, you know what? That ain't happening. Like, I just got this little thing in my head where I, I'm not going to let that happen. And number two, I thought to myself, I could help other people because I thought I was in an ordinary situation. Like, I didn't know any different. It's all I lived, you know? And I thought the things on TV where families stayed together was just like a fantasy world. So... I thought I was going to be able to help other people that have been given up on. I, I, I just said, well, okay, here's an opportunity. I'm going to make it through this. I'm strong enough. I know I am. So for 30 some years, I've been driving off that little spark and that little spark has fueled me. And all of my graphs in my life have been going up. My health, my finances, my career, my relationships, no matter what happened to me in life, I will still be able to go up. And I've tried to figure this out a couple of years ago. I, I started to look back and say, what, what's keeping my graphs up no matter what happens to me? And I found out that it was taking everything that comes my way that would normally stop people or slow them down. I was storing it in my fuel tank instead of my trunk where it weigh me down. And I was converted into rocket fuel for my future to blast through anything, like any position that I was in before the setback. It hit me. I'm like, this is why it's happening. And then from that point, my graph started going way up. I felt in control. I felt responsible. I felt hope. And I felt that it was my duty to share with other people this message. And so I bottled it by writing the book, Rocket Fuel Convert Setbacks Become Unstoppable. Grant Cardone wrote the forward for the book. And now it's getting ready to hit Amazon and all that so people can actually start practicing this law, which is the rocket fuel law. I hope I answered your question.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, obviously, that's a tough, tough spot for anybody to be in, especially at that age, right? I mean, that's just tough. I mean, that had to be. And I, you know, just kind of even thinking through the synopsis of when you're, you know, your dad's throwing the bill at you and stuff like that, I can kind of see, you know, it must have been a tough time frame to get through and everything. And so from there, you obviously came up to, to where you are now and you've got all sorts of different things going on, right? You've got, like you talked about the mortgage business, you've got your your rocket fuel community. And you've got the podcast, you've got all sorts of things going on. So how do you think that really shaped you into kind of getting to where you are today? I know you talked a little bit about the stubbornness and, you know, and and the rocket fuel turning the challenges, you know, storing them in your your tank versus putting them in your trunk. So how did that get you where you are today?
0: Well, by the way, so I was in the mortgage industry for, I don't know, 2006 to 2019, I guess. So 13 years before I really started thinking to myself, I got, I'm not playing a big enough game here. You know, I went from a loan real estate agent, loan officer, manager, and then started building branches. So I was always, I guess, leveling up, but I still felt like I'm not playing a big enough game here. And there was one phase when the mortgage industry, we, where we worked for a company and we were building branches under it. And I got caught up in identifying myself as the leader of a mortgage branch. That's who I was. Instead of, I'm C-Rock, who happens to do mortgages. That's one thing I do, but I'm also a father, a husband. I got caught up in this identity. That company crumbled because of leadership, some things that they did. Uh, I take responsibility because I always take responsibility for it. And there's things I could have done to possibly maybe slowed it down or helped. But at the end of the day, some a bunch of people exited that company. And I was left there thinking to myself, I'm such a failure because that's what I identified with. That was it. Division manager, mortgage company. When that went away, I felt like I was nothing for a period of time. I lost 20 pounds in three weeks. I broke down in my kitchen in front of my wife for the first time ever, never did that before. And I just felt the weight of the world on my shoulders. I felt like I had 22 employees still working with us. Then I felt I had their, their lives and their families' lives in my hands, in my, on my shoulders, I should say, because the, the company crumbled and we had to go somewhere else. And I didn't know what to do. I'd been through the situation before. And at that moment, once I broke down in the kitchen, I said, I just can't take it anymore. I can't, I can't do this. I vowed at that moment that I was never going to feel like that again. And I was never going to put myself or my employees in that position again. And I was going to move hell or high water to make it happen. And if anybody tried to stop us or slow us down, they would be dealt with, not respectfully, but they would be dealt with to let let them know that that's not happening. We're not going back into the situation again. And I vowed at that moment too, that I'm not a mortgage guy. I am C-Rock, Mike C-Rock, and I happen to do mortgages and I'm going to do a whole bunch of other things to impact this planet. And that's where it started back in 2000, I would say 18-ish, where I was just like, I'm, I'm going on a mission here and I need people to support me. If you don't support me, you can't be around me. And I was very strict with that. And then that's when all of a sudden I, I, I just started making connections with people. I was really committed to what I was doing. And it just blew up in the last two years, just like a, a wildfire.
1: Well, I think the the point you made around the identity, right? I think so many people get caught up because that's kind of what we're trained on, right? You want to, you go to college and you get a nice high paying job and then you put your money away in, in your 401k until you retire at 65 and you just kind of ride off in the sunset. And that's kind of what we're all, you know, told that that's what we're meant to pursue. And so I think that so many, you know, successful employees get caught up in that mentality and have that struggle, right, with that identity. And I've seen it even in my own life with, you know, with, with relatives and friends. And yeah, all of a sudden, hey, the company division changes or something happens. And now that's, you know, your your identity kind of feels crushed because you, all you've known is, hey, I'm the successful employee at this company. And when that's taken away, it you know it can be very yeah. challenging. So how did you, so I know you said you like broke down and you kind of pulled yourself out of this to become, you know, and build this brand and C-Rock and everything. What did you do from a mentality perspective or what were you able to tell yourself to get yourself to the point where you are today?
0: I just realized that everything that happens is is fuel. I mean, you you either when you're past, you look back in your past, it's not to get stuck in and it's not to regret. It's only used for two things, training sessions and fuel. And I became aware of this this whole thing, and I, once I became aware of this, I felt like I could be unstoppable. And one really what it, it, it does make you unstoppable because things in life that come your way, if you take anything that would normally stop you or slow you down and convert it to fuel, then there's nothing stopping you. Now, I can't dunk a basketball. I'm five foot foot six and three quarters. So I'd need a trampoline for a basketball (laughs) to dunk a basketball. But spiritually, mentally, financially, in business, I just feel like whatever we set our minds to, we're going to accomplish. And anybody that does not want to buy into that has to exit. And it's okay, but they just can't be around us. It's very, very, very sensitive to that. And so, you know, it also, by the way, it also, John, in in, uh, relationships, you know, husbands, wives. Mothers, fathers—you know—sometimes we identify as that one thing, and we get so pigeonholed into that one area. And then when something happens, like if you're have relationship problems or what have you, you feel like you've lost your identity. And so it's very important—they talk about being well-rounded. It's very important to identify as yourself that does these other things. And so uh, I've learned a lot from that, and I encourage anyone listening to hears my voice right now, really, really take some time to contemplate that—you Ta- know—find out who you are, and then make sure you're not identifying with one particular thing.
1: I love that. I haven't heard it worded that eloquently before, but I love, like you're talking about, you know, you need to be well rounded and identify as yourself and become, you know, be, continue to get better, a better version of yourself on a daily and, and annual basis, but don't necessarily identify as any of those things because. Kind of even to the employee realm or relationships. Not everything's within your control. People change. Time, you know. What I mean, yeah. I'm much different than I was in my marriage ten years ago, and I'm sure you know. You know, twenty years ago, you're you're a different guy in in some <laughs> aspects as well. And so, I think that's why it's important to. I, that's a great way that you phrase that as far as being well rounded. So, so one thing you talk about a lot is mentors, and obviously, you know, you talked about Grant helping you out and being one of your mentors currently. Is that something that's always been in your? in your tool belt or is that something that's been more recent kind of ever since the, you know that time frame changed
0: you know I, I think i've had mentors all my life but i didn't have the right mentors you know a mentor doesn't have to be someone that's going to lead you in the right direction sometimes you latch on to someone and then you start following someone that's on the wrong path and i've had some people relatives this and that that were not on the right track and i would follow them because i looked up to them they might have been uncles or cousins or what have you or and then in business you know, you latch on to people and you start following people that you, they seem like the right person that is where you want to be and come to find out they are not ethical or they're not more. And you realize that and you're like, shoot, I wasted that time. It's what I learned from them that was good and kind of filter that out through my own core values because I am moral, and I'm ethical. I want to do things the right way. And then, so I think for my whole life, I've had mentors here, or there that weren't always the best. I got some lessons from them. Sometimes lessons, not what not to do. But in business, I had one particular guy named Joe. He was um, my first business mentor, I would say, and I worked for him for nine years. He taught me a lot about sales, a lot about business. But his thing that I don't agree with now is that he he was shrinking and he wanted to be small because he didn't want to have headaches of employees and this and that. And to me, you got you, you only have headaches with employees if you think you're going to have headaches with employees. See, it's a mental thing. What you start to think and what you say is what you do, and then what you do is becomes your picture. And so to me, I just, for, for him, you know, he's still a good buddy of mine and I'm still talk to him, but sometimes you can outgrow your mentors. And so, yeah, man, I've always had, but but what lit the fire though was Grant and then Brandon Dawson, who works with Grant, guy named Richie Dolan, who was in the 10X uh, community as well. Jared Glenn, who's the president of Cardo. I just like, I, I, I attracted to what their messages and, and thinking big and never satisfy where you are. Cause you really have a potential that you don't know about and being happy though, the whole way through, not Searching for happiness, really being happy and joyful as you're going through it, but trying to reach your potential to be able to have abundance to help other people.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and as you're talking about, you know, just we, we mentioned before about life is dynamic and you have changes here and there. And so just because someone's a good fit for a mentor at one stage of your life doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, in five years or down the road that they're necessarily going to be the right fit depending on where your life is going in the trajectory, they could still be a part of it, right? But not necessarily, you know, maybe you're leveling up and they're kind of stagnating a little bit more and then you're kind of moving past them. And now it's time to say, okay, you know, they can still be within my life and in terms of some relationship, but maybe not the same level they were before kind of help, you know, lending that hand down to kind of pull me up within it. So one of the things you've talked about before is being comfortable telling your story. And I think kind of going back to the first point we talked about about being known, I think it it can be tough for folks sometimes. And I guess I kind of fall into that bucket because I think that's one thing that I had trouble with is like, well, my story is not that interesting. You know, I had, I mean, I was very fortunate. I had a very fortunate upbringing. I was upper middle class didn't really have a ton of challenges. Obviously, you know, no challenges in regards to food on the table. We got to live, you know, we didn't live extravagantly, but we lived a nice life and I was very comfortable. Right. And so I think, you know, when I look at myself, I'm like, well, my story's kind of dull, you know, what's, what's exciting about it and and what can I do? And so I think, you know, just from an audience perspective that may kind of be having that struggle with, you know, well, my story's not that interesting. What's kind of your recommendation to folks that are trying to pull That, that out and maybe be more interesting.
0: That's not up to you to determine. By you doing that is not you, but people in general, I'm not calling you, but you are, you're selfish if you think that. Think about it. You're thinking to yourself and you're trying to come up with the fact of it's interesting or not, when that could impact some one person, two people, million people. So maybe it's just that you are underestimating the power of your story to inspire millions of people. Maybe you think to yourself, like I did, I was embarrassed, I was embarrassed about being poor. I was embarrassed about being abused. I was bar- Or you just think it's an ordinary story and- you know, but the thing is, what you're missing is, is that most people are ordinary. Most people will relate to ordinary stories. Most people can't relate to extraordinary stories. So that's why it's powerful. I mean, you could talk about the fact of, you know, I came from a a very comfortable lifestyle and that comfortable lifestyle led me to being comfortable. And here's what I had to do to get out of that comfort zone. And this is what helped me excel because once I figured out I was living comfortably and complacent because I came from that, that being that as a kid, I never had to want Once I figured out that was my block changed everything for me, you know, that I'm just an example. So telling your story is, is everybody's duty and obligation. You live an experience. As I mentioned, it's fuel in a training session. Well, what's the training session for it's for you and for you to share with others. To me, if you have the power, and this this could be polarizing, but if you have the power to inspire or change someone or help someone and you don't do it, it's evil. It's evil. It's something that you, if you pray at night asking for forgiveness for your attitude, or for saying something you shouldn't have, or drinking too much, or chasing women, whatever whatever people do, you should be asking for forgiveness for not reaching your potential and helping other people.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I kind of just as you mentioned, I mean, I think that's what got me over it. Is everyone starts out saying, "Hey, I need to touch millions of people," right? And I think what really helped me was if I can just impact one other person, right? I know other people are feeling this, this, you know, this same feeling or whatever. Like you said, hey, you know, you, hey, I you know, the feeling of comfort did allow me to maybe lead a little bit more complacent of a life at the time. And now it's like, Hey, what am I going to do to push past that? And I think, you know, it's not necessarily to your point, exactly. It's not for me to decide how interesting it is, but you know, what I'm doing to continue to better myself is something that I can lend to somebody else that, you know, maybe is coming from the same circumstance and feeling the same way. And so I think for me, That's what really helped was if I can just touch one person or just help one person instead of starting off saying, oh my gosh, I need to get, you know, 2 million followers or whatever the case is. I think that was really what helped push me into trying to share the story because everyone, regardless of how comfortable or uncomfortable your life is, you're going to have successes and struggles, right? And I think, you know, how do you define those and how do you become better at articulating them so that they can empower other people that are feeling and having the same challenges in their life at that point in time?
0: Yeah, the other thing is, uh, I, I just posted something about this the other day. If you really want to make a difference or an impact or achieve something, you have to keep doing it consistently. I mentioned consistently earlier to the point where it's like just over the top. Because what happens is, if nobody's paying attention to you or something doesn't work, most people just stop right there. Oh, it's not working. Nobody's paying attention. I'm not getting any feedback. I'm not getting likes. I'm not getting this. The problem with that is, is that people do not take you seriously until they see you over and over again and realize that you're not going away. They don't believe that you believe in your product or what you're trying to accomplish strong enough to keep going at it. So me, I'm stubborn. And what I mean by stubborn in definition, if you look it up in merriam webster Dictionary, it says perversely unyielding. I have a mission and I am so perversely unyielding to that mission. I keep coming. I keep going at it. I'll keep posting. I keep going. Every platform all over the place. Once somebody watches a video, they're going to be tracked all over the place because we have we, we do retargeting. And then, so somebody sees me once, they're going to see me everywhere. And that's what I want them to think. And it's not just regular people. It's, it's, it's extraordinary people. If they're on social media, I'm in front of people. Like I just had Sharon Lecter on the, on the podcast. She sold 30 some million books in her life. I mean, she just said, I see you everywhere now. That's, that's like, yes, target accomplishment, accomplished bang, did it. You know, and when, when people like that, that are, that are, out there that have achieved things. They're saying that I know that the people that are still trying to achieve things have seen it. So you just omnipresence is so key, but to, you can't be omnipresent unless you're consistent and it gets boring. Trust me. I get, I get, I, I have a mission. I care about it so much, but I can tell you at times I'm just like, I don't feel like doing another video. Like I, I don't feel like doing another podcast today. I'm refreshed by the way. I was looking forward to this, but, but there's some days where it's like, it's sunny here. It's raining. It's miserable. I'm like, man, I don't feel like going down in the pot in the studio, man. Like But I do it anyway, because I remember I need to be stubborn. I need to be perversely unyielding. I remember my mission and nobody's going to take me freaking seriously unless I do it every day and I keep coming at them. And then they're going to say, finally, they're going to be like, shit, this dude's serious. I got to pay attention to this guy. And I also remember all the people that made jokes and thought it was funny that I was going podcasting and I was going to be a speaker and I was going to be an author. And they thought it was funny. And they threw digs at me, made jokes, ignorant comments, discouraged me. I'm going to just take it again, rocket fuel, baby. I'm going to show them. So that one day, they, when when I finally make it, whenever that is, they're going to say, I knew it. I told you about that, dude. So that's what it's all about, brother.
1: Well, and I love your the way that you outline being stubborn, right? You know, kind of use it as a good, you know, because stubbornness and consistency, you know, do kind of go hand in hand. Because like you said, the beginning, it's always going to be a struggle when you're trying to break through and get off that, you know, that level, right? Because initially, right. like you said, people are going to look at you funny. They're like, why are you doing this? you know, you're not going to make it, you're not going to be able to figure this out. You know, you're only getting so much in regards to engagement. And I just love that. And I think it ties back to kind of everything we've been talking about from the beginning, right? I mean, the consistency is so key, which leads to being known. And it's no different than any type of sales avenue, right? You know, (laughs) when you're selling a product, you've got to, you know, you talk to the prospect, most prospects don't buy on the first contact, right? So you've got to talk to them again. And then, you know, how can you get better as you scale automating those touch points? So it's not C-Rock, you know, physically having a conversation with that individual or whatever. Well, that's when it goes back to the knowing, right? Oh, oh man, I forgot about him. And like like you mentioned before, bringing up, they either know you or they forgot you, right? And so that's what it comes into. And then all of a sudden it's ingrained and you're just there, that omnipresence. I just think that's so powerful the way you were talking about it. Hey, so, can I tell
0: you one more thing real, bit, yeah, real quick of about that? So my team in the mortgage industry last year, the rates were dropped. I mean, we had loans falling out of the sky. like you, It was just crazy. This year, the rates go up a little bit. And one of the things about taking more action, I noticed my team wasn't posting on social media as much. And I'm talking about not just the same people. Everybody in our organization is responsible for bringing revenue into the company. If they don't want to do that, they don't need to work with us because everybody's job relies on money coming in the door. So we uh, started talking with each other and said, look, guys, listen, we need to start posting videos. Every single person here, every day, a video, a post, something on all platforms, get it out there. Just do it. I don't know what to post. Ask. We'll all put our heads together. We got brains, 30 some brains together. We're going to come up with something. So I noticed one guy, one of my partners did a video. It had 500 views, right? It wasn't promoted. It was just a regular organic video, 500 views. Nowadays you get thousands thousands, but 500 views, right? Let's just say 500 And let's say 30 people do 500, that's 15,000 views in a day. We do that five days in a row, 75,000 views. We do that for a month times four, that's 300,000 views. Every four months, that's 1.2 million views. By the end of the year, you have 3.6 million views if everybody on our team just posts once a day. And that's not even, that's not, that's all organic. And that's not counting something might go viral, right? So 3 million people or views can happen if everybody just commits to post it once a day in a group of 30 people. And so we've done that. And the one lady said that she was hung up on it. She said, I didn't know what to post. She just did her first video the other day. And she had three people reach out to her as soon as she put it up there about refinancing and buying a home. And she was amazed that it worked. And I said, why are you amazed? Like, why are we amazed at this? Like, this is something that I told you, if you don't get known, nobody knows who you are, you're not going to get business. Now they knew who you were. They knew what you did. They had a need. They called you. It's very simple. But we don't think that way a lot of times.
1: Well, I think that's awesome, and and the fact that to your point, you know, everybody in the company has a responsibility around helping grow the company revenue. Because at the end of the day, you know, the lights aren't going to be on; the company's not going to be successful. So I just think that's such a cool, cool idea. And and you know, most companies are more run of the mill. You know, hey, salespeople go out. You know, they they pursue leads and bring them in and try to close deals. But I just love the fact that because I think from a brand perspective too, people can gravitate towards that, right? You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. kind of cool. It's like hey. You know, and then also, I mean, not everyone likes to deal with a salesperson. So it's a little bit yeah. less, you know, less yeah. adversarial sometimes yep. and like, oh, okay, well, she's just not, she's just, but, you know, hey, she's a, you know, whatever mortgage processor or whatever, you know, whatever the case yeah, is. Versus and she's trying to, she's trying to help me.
0: Yeah. She's trying to give me some information to help me, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. So, so you've talked about the rocket fuel a lot, but how, how did that come about? Right. I mean, how did, how did you kind of materialize that and how did you kind of define it to the point where now? Obviously, it's kind of your, you know, your mantra and obviously the book that you just authored.
0: Yeah, I was right. I was a, uh, doing an interview with Grant and I asked him, he's always grinding, he's always pushing, he's always doing more, he's always leveling up, which is a great mentor to have because you can never catch him if, if, as long as they don't stop, right? And I just said, man, when's, I don't want to say when's enough enough because I hate that because it's never enough. But I'm like, when is it going to be a time where you feel like you're away from, you, you've produced enough, you have enough money. Again, I hate that word enough but you have the amount of money that, that keeps you from being able to be touched. I don't want to say F you money, but where, and I talked about outer space. I said, when is it enough to get like, where are you going to get into outer space away from gravitational pull where something can pull you back down? That's what I was getting at. And he said, I don't know, man, people don't want to really want to have that conversation. They don't like the answer to that question. We got into it a little bit and I'm like, I started start thinking, I'm like, well, that's how could you get there? Well, it's rocket fuel. You got to take all the stuff that the gravity that holds you down and convert it. And I just started thinking from that point and re, just, going, referring back to my life. Like, what was that in my life that was causing me to keep going? Like, why was I keep going? Like most people would stop with some of the stuff I went through. Suicide, abuse, parents splitting up. I mean, so many, I, I lost millions, you know, like, but I just keep going, dude. <laughs> so that's where it came from. And then I just felt like I had to bottle it and put it in a book and get it out to people, man. And and, I, and I'm just, I, I want this thing to get into people's hands. It's like a long drawn out process. I never did this before but the editing part of it was, it was a crucial part because I wanted to make sure it was a good quality book.
1: Well, the consistency and the stubbornness, right? I mean, those are, yeah, those are the big yeah. drivers and common themes throughout. <laughs> so, so what was it like actually writing the book and, and how long did it take from kind of tip to tail to, well, at least close to, uh, you know to get at least in the hands of the editors yeah. and, and almost out the door?
0: It's an emotional roller coaster. Some days you have all the words coming to you and flowing and other days you don't and you have a deadline and you're like, I need to get this done. And you just can't like, you can't think of anything. And then you write something and you're like, oh man, this is, this is crap. I mean, I just wanted to get through it so bad because I wanted to be able to say, I wrote a book. It's a good book, quality book, but I also didn't want to rush it. So it, it was a grind. And you also want it to be, you also want it to be known. You want it to be significant. You don't want it to just be a book that you wrote and less than hundred people buy it. 10 people read it. You know, I, I went from the start writing the book. I said, this is going to be a bestseller. I told my team, I said, we're writing a bestseller, guys. This is not going to be just any book. And I also said in the beginning that I was going to get Grant to write the forward because he was a mentor of mine. And, and he started blowing up as I was writing a book. He started elevating it and blowing up and blowing up and blowing up. And now he's on TV. And, but I didn't know how I was going to do that. I didn't know if he would say yes. I didn't know if it was going to cost money. I didn't know anything, but I just committed that he's going to write the forward to this book and I'm going to be able to put his name on the front of it. And it's going to help us have some credibility and this and that and it end up all manifesting itself.
1: That's awesome. And I mean, I just think kind of back to all this, right? I mean, it kind of all starts in your head and the positive thought and you're telling yourself, I'm going to do this, I'm going to succeed. And again, the path isn't necessarily the way we always are going to expect and there's going to be forks in the road and we're going to go down some paths and you're just constantly testing on things that are going to succeed and things that are going to fail, things that you didn't really think were going to be as successful as they were come into fruition and things that you're like, this is a shoe in, you know, end up kind of falling flat. And I just, I just love that perspective, you know, just continuing to grind and having that positive thought process. So, all right, well, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, So I know you talked about, you know, getting Grant to come in and and do the forward and stuff. And I think it's kind of interesting. I've heard you talk before about, you know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't super cheap to get him to come in mm-hmm. and do that. So what was it like throwing down that kind of money? Obviously you had a relationship with him, but what was it like and what actually convinced you to actually make that investment to have him write the forward for the book?
0: When you commit to something as hard as I do, it's hard to go away from it. So, you know, I, I, I asked Jared, I said, Jared Glantz, the president, I said, man, can I get a quote for the book? Cause him and I've developed a relationship and He's like, sure, man. And I'm like, how about Grant? Do you think he would write the forward? And he's like, well, he doesn't really do that. And if he does it, it's got to be something, you know, somebody he agrees to do it for, believes in whatever. And then he also doesn't do it for free. And I'm like, well, I get it. Get me the details, man. Find out if he'll do it for me. I mean, you know, and so he came back and said, he said that he would definitely do it for you. You definitely live the standard that we, you know, we expect. And it's 75 grand. And <laughs> I said, What? I didn't say it to him, it was through text. I'm like, <laughs> five minutes, I'm like, 75,000, I can't even, what, what, what? But then for five minutes, I, I was thinking the wrong way. I was thinking the wrong way. Because most people would say no immediately, not even entertain it. I started thinking, okay, well, wait a minute. I'm thinking the wrong way here. I'm not thinking big enough. His time is valuable. If I do invest 75, I'm going to be more committed to writing a better book. I'm going to make sure that I market the hell out of it. Uh, it's going to commit me. It's going to pull me forward into success but I don't want to use my own money for this. So then I started thinking, I talked to my wife, I talked to my publisher. I'm like, 75, but what if I I did that? What a story that would be. And they're like, you're not even deciding on this. You've already decided, just go do it. And so I'm like, all right, well, then I first have to be good with, okay, I'm going to do this, but I got to use, worst case, I got to use my money. And then I started thinking, okay, well, what if I didn't want to use my money? So then I said, you know what? I'm going to be committed to do it no matter what. I'm going to use my money, but I'm going to go to my partner's and shout out to Chris, Jason, and Beau. I, I want to go to my partners in the mortgage industry, which they've been supportive of everything I've been doing. They run the day-to-day operations of the mortgage business. I go out and find other ventures for us to get into, and they all we all share in it. And I said to them, guys, here's the deal. This is the case. I gave them the details. I said, I'm going to do it. Whether you do it or not, are you in? And I went to them each individually separately, and they all said, we're in. Let's roll. And so then it became, instead of 75,000, it became 75,000 divided by four, which is about 17,500 times, Take it, take it as a write-off because it's a business expense. Now I'm down to what, maybe twelve, thirteen thousand dollars out of my pocket for the for the forward. Now everything that comes from the book, everything speaking engagements, the the, the products that we're doing. The by the way, I have a tech product that's coming out that's going to be worth billions. All that we're in together because they've supported me and believed in me, and I felt that it, for me to have the people around me, the right circle believing you, encouraging you, is so important that it was worth doing that and then taking them on this mission with me. And so we wired $75,000 over and, and made it happen. And Jared said, when they saw that and Grant was in there, he's like, this dude's smart. Like, he knows, he said, he knows what he's doing. You got to pay for access sometimes. You got to pay for inspiration and motivation sometimes. And sometimes you got to pay for the story. And that story, nobody else has. So that's how it all came about. And so no, now,
1: I love that, man. I know yeah. I was going to be like, I'd probably be knocked back in my chair too. And I'm like, what? What is he? <laughs> he's yeah. got to be crazy. But But like you said, I mean, I think- cuz i know you know a lot of folks and when we're talking about folks that you know do you know are able to start making means and, and be successful be the investing or business or whatever right they've gotten there because they are usually studious with their, with their means and what they're doing with their, with their income and their money. And, but I love the fact that you talked about taking the money and using that as motivation, you know, Hey, I have to do this now because I kind of equate it to like a personal trainer. Right. And I think you have to put enough money or skin in the game to make it worth it. If it's just a personal training session, it's 50 bucks or you can blow it off. Right. It yeah. doesn't matter. Right. If yeah. you were paying a thousand or $2,000 per personal training session, you would go there and you would make the most out of it every single time. And that's why I think sometimes when people are getting caught up on the dollar figures for these coaching programs or different things, obviously make sure they're reputable and make sure that they're doing and going to take you to the level that you want to get to. But obviously, grants get you know he's at the level that you want to get to and, and surpass eventually. And I just think that that's just a great story. Like you said, no one else has that story. And sometimes you got to pay for access. And I just love that perspective.
0: Yeah, and as a leader, like who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow someone that that is committed enough to buy them? Like, dude, I believe in myself. You know, I'm, I'm full 100% belief in myself. And are you going to follow someone like that? Or are you going to follow someone that gets that 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 news and is like, yeah, never mind. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do what I said I was gonna do. So that makes a difference too. And now also, by the way, the tech product that I mentioned, if you don't mind, I'd like to bring that up to you and, and share that with you. In about 60 days, we have a minimal viable product of a new tech company called Blueprinted that we started and we co-founded. Shout out to Jared Yellen, who's my partner in that. Uh, we started this basically to eliminate the excuse of people to not accomplish something because they don't know how to do something. Now there's trained digital training out there. There's books, there's all this, right? Coaching. This is different and this is a disruptor because- This is a way for people that have had success, if they can reverse engineer their success in a project management format, algorithmic step-by-step process, they can put that into our system, upload their blueprint, and they can sell their blueprint to the public. Now, this could be baking a cake, something as simple as baking a cake. It could be on up to starting a franchise of a McDonald's and all different prices all the way down to giving away free for for a new lead magnet. This could be like the new lead magnet. But also, it can also be uploaded as a calendar and put in, downloaded into someone's calendar so they know exactly what to do each day, step-by-step process. They can see the whole big picture of how to accomplish something, and they have no excuse not to do it anymore. And so Blueprinted is the new product. Be watching for it. It's going to blow up. It's going to be viral. It's going to be worth billions, uh, but it's going to help millions and millions of people.
1: That's awesome. I'm excited to see that when that comes out. And I mean, that's what people need is that step-by-step, right? A lot of times, and that goes back to the consistency, right? It's it's easy when it's like, okay, well, this is what you have to accomplish today. Cause then they can actually think about it, write it down and, and, and work towards it. I think sometimes it's when it's ambiguous and nebulous that people get caught up and, oh my gosh, well, what am I supposed to do today? What should I do today? So that's awesome, man. I'm I'm super looking forward to that. All right, well, let's wrap up with the contrarian three-pack. So I know we talked about a couple of things you've invested in, uh, you know, but what would you say is maybe the most contrarian investment you've made in your background? Well, I just told you about one of them. So (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I got a CBD
0: store, online CBD store I invested in. I have a candy company that I invested in. I invest in companies, man. And I invest in, you know, businesses. And that's where most of my money goes. It goes into me, investing in myself, which nobody can take away. And it goes into businesses. And, you know, at some point, you know, really I believe this app will be worth billions and we'll exit. If we don't exit, we'll be it'll be cash flowing. And I'm gonna take that money and go into other tech products because I'm really believing in tech now as unlimited scale. And I have, you know, opportunity now that anybody has any ideas. If you're listening to this, DM me if you have a tech product idea. Uh, we have a tech lab where we, where we develop tech products and was, basically my aim is to start a tech portfolio.
1: That's awesome. And I mean, I, I think that's a great way to go. And like you talked about the scalability, that's the nice thing about the tech products is once you build out the back end, you know, that's why the the licensing business is such a great business and everyone's in that subscription, you know, Hey, you've got to, to get, you know, blueprinted. You've got to be on a annual subscription, right? It's nice to get, yeah. <laughs> nice to get those monthly checks coming in from, from your subscribers. So I know we talked a lot about business, rocket fuel, all that good stuff. What's your favorite thing to do outside of Work and and all this stuff with with family and friends.
0: My favorite thing is, oh, I like to golf. I'm a golfer, but that's kind of boring to talk about for most people. So let's talk about travel. I mean, I really enjoy traveling to warm tropical locations, and seeing the culture in different countries and companies, and then just sharing that with my family because when I was a kid, I didn't get to do those kind of things. And so seeing my kids, you know, go to go to Mexico or go to uh, Jamaica or you know different places like those tropical places. To me, that's just, that's what I like to do. And every day that I, when I don't feel like doing something and besides my purpose, my mission, that's one of the things that I always like remember, like I'm going to have a day I'm busting my ass now because I'm going to have a day where we can go and spend as much time as we want those places. And so I would say that that travel is the, is the thing.
1: I love that. And yeah, I think... I, I'm a big travel fan too, and obviously it's tough right now with COVID and everything. You can get out a little yeah. bit we've been We've been fortunate to get a couple places, but I think it's also good to get perspective too, right you know, and how yeah. other people live, and especially when you start going to some of these other countries, you know you can kind of at least realize in some circumstances how fortunate we all are right in, in a lot of ways. And so I think that's a really powerful tool, especially teaching the children. So what offers you the most fulfillment in life?
0: You know, I think accomplishing anything I set my mind to when I accomplish something and I see results, that's the th- most fulfilling to me. I, I feel like I have to do something. I have to, I don't like to say uh, solve problems. I like to find the source of the problem and knock that out. But I really like to just accomplish things that that are impactful. And when I'm not accomplishing something or I'm not seeing results, I get really frustrated and agitated. <laughs> and uh. It's just the way I'm built, I guess, but I can't sit still. I'm always trying to get into something that's impacting. So I I would say that, you know, achievement is the most fulfilling thing.
1: Yeah, man. Well, and you're taking it to the moon, right? To the moon. Rocket fuel. (laughs) Outside the Milky Way. So, all right, Mike, well, this has been outstanding. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you talk about Blueprinted a little bit, but what's the best way the audience can get a hold of you out there?
0: You know, I'm on LinkedIn and, and Instagram, Mikey Crock on Instagram. Check it out there. DM me. I answer all my DMs and uh, I love engaging with people. And if you have any questions about, you want to be one of the first founding members of Blueprinted, uh, we're looking for 500 founding members to, for people to go in, create an account, put a blueprint in there, and then we're going to unleash it and bring
1: the crowd in. Just reach out to me. Awesome, man. Well, checking that out. You got your tech portfolio. You've got Rocket Fuel. You got the book coming out. You got a lot going on. So excited to see where it takes you. Thank you, man. Appreciate
0: you having me on, man.
1: Absolutely. Until next time, live fulfilled. Thank you for listening to Contrarian Cashflow. I would greatly appreciate it if you left an honest review, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode, and share with someone you feel would find value. Until next time, think different, earn different, live fulfilled.